So, you know, we're in the middle of the Bible Doesn't Say That series, and so I have a fun one today. How many of you have ever heard, you ready to pop it up, Christian? Don't judge me. <laughs> right? Don't judge me. This is, this is becoming, I mean, it's not a new worldly view, but it seems to be so much more prominent and resonant Today, you know, it's don't be a hater, and as we heard from Taylor today, haters going to hate, 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 all that, right? And then most of you probably know uh, a man by the name of Tupac back in the 90s. <laughs> I wonder if Tupac's name has ever been mentioned in a sermon. Maybe not, but today it has been. And you all know where I'm going, right? The title of it, one of his songs, Only God Can Judge Me. Heard that before? So we kind of live in that era and that kind of mindset, and it, it becomes, it becomes um, we're going to unpack this today because it becomes a get-out-of-jail-free card. It becomes a, you know, you can't involve yourself in my business. There's just there's so much to this, don't judge me. So there's two things, two sides of this thing that we're going to look at today, and, and one is the person or the people that are doing the judging, right? Because that's usually who the people that are saying don't judge me, that's usually who they're talking to. And unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, the church people and Christian people get branded with this all the time. You know, we're the judgy people. You know, we're the goody two-shoes and the holier-than-thou. And we get all these things that we, we, um, we get attributed to us that that makes us the people that are doing the judging. In the second category are the person or people that are being judged. Have you ever... Well, maybe we shouldn't raise hands. Uh, but that's not a good place to be. Nobody likes to be on that side of things. It's not comfortable. It's not good. And so what we're going to do today is we're going we're gonna to find out what the Bible actually does say because let me tell you something. The Bible does have a thing or two to say about judgment. It has a lot to say about it, and you know, as is, as is kind of the premise of this whole series, we just take the Bible out of context a lot. We use scriptures that work for our advantage at the moment. Um, we, there's some good ones, you know, that, that you can leverage and just beat people over the head with if you want to, or you can use scripture to give yourself a way out of all kinds of things, and people can use scriptures to, to justify sinful behavior. There's all kinds of fun things you can do if you grab things out of the Bible and you don't get the context. So that's the reason why we're talking about this. And so what does the Bible actually say about this don't judge me kind of thing, right? You interested? Good, because you're a captive audience. Please lock the door. <laughs> so um, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking here and he says, do not judge. So before you say, see, I told you it was in there. <laughs> before you get that justification in using this line all the time, let's find out what he actually said, because that's helpful. You know, I was talking to someone the other day, and you know how sound bites work. The media is really good at this. They'll listen to someone speak for 15 minutes, and they'll take one sentence or a half a sentence out of the whole 15-minute uh, conversation or dialogue, and they'll beat them to death with one, one sentence that was completely taken out of context. So, I mean, you know, you can say something like, I hate when people do uh, this. 
Well, they can take the I hate people out of that <laughs> and quote Andrew saying I hate people. It happens all the time, the sound bites. So if we aren't careful, we do the same thing with Scripture. So what did Jesus actually say about this judging thing? And so there's breaking this into two categories. Like I said, people that are doing the judging and people that are being judged. So there's two angles we're looking at here. So at the beginning, Jesus is saying here, do not judge or you too will be judged. Well, that's that, that kind of... I like that. That's going for the angle that I want, you know. Verse 2, he says, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Okay, this is getting a little uncomfortable. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. So in other words, if, if I'm going to judge you and I'm going to execute some measure of punishment or some, some measure of uh, uh, my reaction or my response to whatever it is I'm judging you about, Jesus is basically saying, don't judge unless you're prepared to be judged. And then if that's the case, if you've got that one and you can check it off, then the next phase is be careful how you execute your judgment because that's exactly how you're going to be judged. What you're going to find in here is the greatest message of grace that you probably have ever heard because it really is centric to the idea of how we judge each other. And if you don't understand grace then there is a whole new world available to you. And what Jesus represented on the cross was the message of grace, giving life to grace, because there were a group of people that had so been oppressed by a law that they did not understand what grace was. So before you take this blanket statement of, well, he said, don't judge unless I want to be judged, and I don't want to be judged, and, and so I'm just not going to do any judging at all. Let's just leave that on the table. There's actually... There's actually a second part to that, and you have to be careful that you don't use this as a, a, a situation that allows you to step out of any kind of issue where you may have to exercise truth. Because I guess we need to establish this fact. There are things that are right, and there are things that are wrong. There are things that are sinful, and there are things that are not sinful. There's a moral code and you break it and you pay for it, right? You can't just go kill somebody because you're mad at them. You'll go to jail because there's a moral code, there's a, there's a societal code, there's a biblical code. So there are laws. So grace does not abolish the law. Jesus said, I came to actually fulfill it. So it wasn't a list of rules anymore. It's now something that we have to put inside of ourselves and live a conduct that is above the law. Follow me? But what Jesus does here is he provides the parameters on how, as a Christ follower, you are supposed to deal with other people. He reminds us to be careful how we execute judgment because he will look at us through the same lenses. And I don't know about you. Maybe you live a perfect life, but I don't want to do anything that would jeopardize the way Christ looks at me. Which means if I have to forgive in order to be forgiven, then I'm going to figure out how to forgive. If I've got to be careful on how I execute judgment because I know how he's going to look at me, then I'm going to put on the lens of grace before I execute judgment on somebody. And let me tell you something. Our tongue is out of control. We say things and we hurt people and we cut people and we destroy people. The scripture does say that the power of death and life is in the tongue. Because what the tongue does is articulate what is in the heart. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come to, to just abolish the law, but instead I want the law 
the concept and the principles of the law to be in your heart so that the words you speak, the actions you take will represent who I am. Because the world needs to know that, yes, you may be living in sin, but you don't have to stay that way. That is the message of the cross, right? So in the same passage, in verse 3, Jesus continuing to talk here, he gives a little clarification. He, and this is an interesting kind of uh, word picture, but this is what he uses. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Isn't that a great word picture? You see somebody who's got a little dot of dust in their eye. Meanwhile, you've got a two-by-four like this sticking right, <laughs> right out of your face. I mean, Jesus paints a fantastic word picture. It's like, okay, I get it. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? You know, you're knocking him over with your two-by-fours coming out of your eye, <laughs> but you're going to try to do some, some fine surgery and help him with his little problem. He calls everybody a hypocrite. He's like, you guys just, you, you guys acting it out. First, take the plank out of your own eye, get rid of your own junk, and then, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Listen, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Here's the thing. We cannot use the no judgment here, I'm not going to judge you, I'm not going to judge you, as the excuse not to deal with our brothers and sisters' issues that they're facing. We have a moral and a godly obligation to take care of the people in our community. That's scriptural. Jesus lived it out. And so he's not just saying, don't judge, use that as your, I don't have to do anything kind of attitude. I can keep my eyes closed. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, take care of your junk so you can help somebody with theirs. Because the whole message of the gospel is hope. And there's no greater message of hope than when someone helps somebody else. You know, I'm going to use a scripture here that I'm just going to stretch it a little bit. Jesus, <laughs> I got the mic. I can do that. Jesus was with his disciples, and he was, he was, they were seeing all kinds of miracles, all kinds of miraculous events happening. And he tells them, he's like, look, if you understand what I'm doing here, he's like, when I leave and I empower you, greater works than these will you do. Okay, but let's, let's take that to another level, and this is where I'm going to stretch it a little bit. Jesus went around, who did he associate with? He, he was around the people that had the greatest needs. The hungry people, the hurting people, the sinner people, the people nobody liked. He was with those people. They accused him of being a drunk because he hung around people that were drunk. Jesus wasn't a drunk. What he was doing was reaching people that needed him. He told them this. He's like, if you're well, you don't need a doctor, do you? But if you're sick, you do. So I'm not hanging around well people. I'm hanging around unwell people. So if Jesus does that, that's our mandate. So greater works than these you will do if you understand what this principle is all about. We can sit in our ivory tower and whatever phrase you want to call it, and we can judge the world about how bad they are and how awful they are, and we never get our hands dirty, do we? It's easy to look down on people that are a mess and look at how great you are. Don't judge me. So in Galatians chapter 6, Apostle says it this way, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, watch this, should restore that person gently. Judgment doesn't sound like that, does it? It's a whole lot easier to talk about someone falling into sin. Did you hear about that guy? 
and burn the phone up, blow social media up, talk to your friends about it. And, and I, I watched this comical video about, uh, it was about all the things you can get away with if, about gossiping if you say it's a prayer request. <laughs> all right, so, so Pastor Philip, I just need you, to, I want you to help me pray about Pastor Scott because let me tell you what Pastor Scott did. <laughs> just remember to pray for him. Meanwhile, you've had a 30-minute conversation. God was not involved in the conversation at all. You were just gossiping. So quit calling it prayer request and call it what it is. It says to restore that person gently. If you really have the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, it's not about judging because you think you're better than them. It's about recognizing their weakness and rolling up your sleeves and saying, let me lend you a hand because I was there as well. I managed to get the two-by-four out of my eye, and I think you have a speck of dust in yours. I'm happy to help. Yeah, that's what Jesus did. This is God's idea of judging a person. you got to recognize this struggle, right? And to make it real, real applicable to where we live, maybe you work with a friend of yours who you know is married, and they're just getting way too personal with a girl at work. And you're like, I ain't judging that's you with a crutch. That's you avoiding a hard conversation. That's you not being a friend. That's you not showing the love of Christ. That's you ducking and dodging. Or you got a classmate that's constantly cheating. I'm not judging. Maybe they have to cheat. No, maybe you need to put your arm around them and say, hey, listen, we got to work on this because this ain't right. Restore someone gently. People begin to pull away from church, their relationship with God, their relationship with others. I can't judge them. Maybe they're going through something. We'll find out what they're going through and help them pray. Fight with them. Stand with them. Because the, 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 the message of the gospel is work. The message of the gospel is hope. And we activate hope by our actions. Listen, it ain't about haters hating. It's about people loving. And it's not easy to be on the receiving side. But let me tell you something. It means a lot when someone cares enough about you to recognize that you're struggling, putting an arm around you and saying, I'm going to fight this fight with you because I'm not going to let you go. Right? Right? You with me? So the other side, that's people, people judging, and then the other side are people being judged. And everybody in this room either has experienced this or knows somebody who has experienced the frustration and hopelessness of having your intentions and actions falsely judged. That is the worst thing. You know, you, you guys don't argue with your spouses, but... But every once in a while, very rarely, like very rarely, like really very rarely, my wife and I will argue. <laughs> and, you know, I'll say something, and it's just, it's just an accusation. It's just me being mean. And then she has to feel the need to justify because I completely misjudged or intentionally judged her actions. That is not a good feeling because you're like, that's not what I meant. That was not what my actions were supposed to say. But I'm judging. I want to bring it down. I want the gallows built. I want the pain and suffering, pound of flesh. Yeah, that's not how it works. Heartless people are quick to make the statements. She should just leave that guy. He's a loser. Never sat down and talked to the guy. Never figured out the guy's having a tough time. Never figured out the guy even had a dad in his life to teach him how to be a man. I mean, we got real problems in this world. And we can pretend to be all holy and Christian and avoid those things, but that is not where we live. We live where things are real. Pastor Scott said someone told him that this church is a messy church and they don't like it. 
This church is a messy church, and it's going to be messy because that's where Jesus is. Jesus was in the mess. That guy is so terrible at his job, they should just kick him to the curb. Maybe he's got a family to feed. Maybe someone needs to help him do his job better. We just have to look through a different set of lenses, different set of lenses. All the judgment and no one asking why. And then there's, of course, the mind-your-own-business people. You know, they, they, they have a little sign they carry around that says, don't judge me. <laughs> and they are not interested in changing their behaviors. They're not interested in, in, in any kind of help. In fact, I, I, found, a, I, <laughs> I found a picture. Uh, you can pop that up, Christian. So, I, 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 Tupac's quote, only God can judge me. Actual transition, translation, shut up so I can sin in peace. <laughs> <laughs> this is an easy card. You're just judging me. You're just judging me. I want to do what I'm doing. Leave me alone. Let me do what I'm doing. No, 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 no. That's not Jesus' method, and that's not his message about judging. That is not the point. That is not how this works. Maybe you're a Christian, and you kind of enjoy your vice, your one little sin that you just kind of enjoy. And every time someone says something, well, you're not perfect either, you know. I mean, look at your attitude and everything. <laughs> I, I mean, there is always, there, there's, there's more than 52 cards in that deck, buddy, and I can play them. <laughs> can drop those cards. But you see, what Jesus is doing, what he was doing then and what he's doing now, is it's not about the written letter of the law. It's about the principle in the heart. And it doesn't matter. You can, you can hide behind uh, actions. You can hide behind deeds. You can hide behind conduct. But when you start peeling back those layers and find out why is it that you do what you do? Why is it? Where is it in your heart that is causing you to be what you are being? Where is it in your heart that's saying, that, that is causing you to want to lash out at someone who is less fortunate than you or is struggling harder than you are or in a different way than you are? It's easy to judge, but somebody take a moment to look at that person through the eyes of Christ and through the eyes of grace and say, you know, maybe there's something in the background that is causing them to constantly stumble and fall. Who is reaching in there to help? In Romans chapter 6, verse 14, to deal with those, those uh, leave me alone, kind of mind your own business folks. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. But this is the question. What then? Shall we sin because we are no longer under the law, but under grace? By no means. By no means. So if you're a Christ follower, or you're trying to find Christ, or you've been judged unjustly, or you're the guy with the big scepter and you love cracking people over the head with it as you judge them because you think your life is so grand, there's not one of us in this room that can escape <laughs> this message because it hits us all. In some, some of us, it hits on both sides, the judged and the judger, because we've all been guilty of it. We all get caught up in the moment when we hear bad news about somebody, something crazy they did, cheated on their spouse, left their kids, abandoned, whatever, whatever you think of, fell off the wagon, whatever their issue is, and we sit back and we just like throw these word darts. And we just, we know the reason why they did it. They're just stupid. I mean, just make a good decision for once in your life. It's easy. Just say no. That's not how it is. Struggles are real. And so, you know, we justify 
behaviors and, you know, okay, so I have an anger problem, but that's not near as bad as, as uh, beating my wife. Or I have a, you know, I, I, just, I, I just don't like to give to God, but, but you know, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't curse and swear and cheat and steal. And... Right? You follow me? This is just practical gospel, right? It's just the reality of every one of us in this room. Every one of us in this room. We're sinners. We're broken. There's various, varying degrees of brokenness. And there are varying degrees of, you know, one sin being a lot nastier than another. But at the end of the day, it's all really sin anyway. At the end of the day, it's all really destructive behavior anyway. At the end of the day, everybody in this room needs what? We need a Savior. We need Jesus. And some of us really need Jesus. And some others really, really need Jesus. So, in winding this thing down, I, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's found in John chapter 8. And I don't think there's any story in the Bible that quite captures the essence of what we're talking about today. And that is the story when Jesus was, had been on the mountain. He came to the temple in the beginning of the day. People are there. He's teaching. And there was a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Now, if you know anything about the law that the Jews lived under, moral issues were handled. <laughs> and when I say handled, I mean the person who was the offender never had the opportunity to offend again because they were dead. <laughs> they drug them outside the city, threw rocks until they were pronounced dead, and then they all went home and had lunch. I don't know. They just did not tolerate immorality on any level. The law was clear. And so when Jesus stepped on the scene... Everything was on its ear. Everything was different. He's teaching something. He's teaching that the law is meant to be written on the heart and not on tables of stone. And, and people aren't getting it. And, it, and, it, and he says stuff like, you know, uh, it's, if you're caught in adultery, that's wrong. But, but if you look at a woman lustfully, that's the same as adultery. Hold on a second. I've lived my whole life just making sure I wasn't an adulterer. And now he's gone and messed it all up. I mean, I have to close my internet accounts and everything. He just ruined everything. Here I thought, you know, it's not going to hurt anybody, but it's just me. Well, y'all don't think about that anyway. And so in verse 3 of John 8, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group. Now, this, this wrecks me. Nobody likes their sin displayed anyway. We don't know, they don't give enough, enough descriptive detail, but maybe this lady is still wrapped in her sheet because they didn't give her time to get her clothes on. And they don't just drag her out in public. They drag her into church, and Jesus is talking to a group of people because everywhere Jesus was, there was a group of people, and he's sitting there teaching, and then the Pharisees, the religious people, right, they drag this woman in, stand her in front of the crowd, because they think they're going to catch Jesus. So you can feel, 
the disgrace, the shame, the humiliation, and every eyeball in the place is judging you. You know what they're thinking. And there you are, knowing your whole life playing before you, realizing I can't go to market tomorrow. I can't go to Walmart tomorrow. I can't go anywhere in my town tomorrow because everybody's going to look at me this way. Pretty much your life is ruined. It'd be the equivalent of getting caught doing something really bad and everybody posting on Facebook. I mean, everybody is seeing it. No one was considering what drove this situation. No one stopped to find out what was going on in this woman's life. No one said, you know what, this behavior is going to kill you. Can I help you out of it? No one was asking that question. And it reminds me of what Jesus said earlier when he says, the same way you judge, you will be judged. And these guys were standing there with their fancy churchy clothes on and their robes, and they were looking all pious and holy. And Jesus is thinking, man, they didn't hear my first message about judgment, did they? But then Jesus And I typed that, but then Jesus, dot, dot, dot. And I started thinking at that moment, how many times in my life have there been a but then Jesus that changed my world? Just stepped in and changed that moment. I mean, so many things could have happened in verse 7. Jesus, it's just incredible. So all this chaos is going on, these Pious people dragging this woman in here. She's humiliated. Everybody in the crowd is just like, what? You know, I did not expect to see this at church on Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. You got to come to my church. All kinds of stuff happened there. He just kneels down, and whatever he's doing, he's doodling in the sand. He's ignoring the entire event. He's ignoring it all. And then when someone finally gets his attention, he looks up and says, oh, You want me to say something? Well, I'll start by saying, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. What he said. (laughs) I'm on that guy's team. Whatever happens, that's who I want representing me. Imagine if you, come on, work with me here. Imagine if that was happening right now. Imagine if this woman was in front of us today. Imagine, I can assure you, at that moment, if you had any kind of hidden sin in your life that was remotely close to this woman's problem, you would be like slowly shrinking in your seat. That's how we work. We'd be like, oh, I hope he doesn't look over here. And imagine in that moment, they all knew what the rule was. They all knew what the law was. Mouths hanging open. What is going to happen? And in that moment when Jesus says, anybody here that has no sin is, feel free, throw a stone. Imagine what happened, not to the people that are standing there with the stones, because that's what we always think about, but what about the people in the crowd? Talk about redemption being lived out. They had never seen it before. They did not know this existed. Imagine what that felt like in that moment when Jesus said that. In that moment. Let me tell you something. Maybe you're here today and you have experienced that kind of judgment. Maybe you have felt that kind of anguish and shame 
when your problems have been splashed all over somebody's screen or all over the, 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 your circle of friends or, or whatever the case is. You know your actions are wrong and you have to face it every day. Let me tell you something. There is no greater message than to know that there is a Savior that doesn't really care what happened to you or what you did. He's more concerned about saving you from where you are than worrying about what it was that drove you there to begin with. We don't understand grace. We take advantage of grace. We don't understand it because it doesn't rhyme with how we operate. In our life, in our world, how we're taught is to look out for number one. And if somebody does you wrong, you better figure out how to do them back because they'll come back around again. But Jesus has given us something different. He's not saying don't judge. He's saying if you're going to judge, be careful how you do it because there needs to be a reason for it. And the reason should be to save somebody, to help somebody, and to give somebody another chance. Because every one of us will need grace in our life at some point. And if you've lived your life to this point and never needed it, then you're floating on air. And you're in extreme (laughs) self-denial. Because every one of us need it at some point in our life. So in verse 9, at this, those who heard begin to go away one at a time, the older ones first. I always like how they specify the older ones left first. You know why? The older ones are a lot smarter. <laughs> Man, I turned 46. I feel I, every year I get older, I get smarter. I just see things differently. I mean, the oldest dude in the room is like, I'm just going to slip on out the back door because I got a whole 50-some years of stuff I've been doing. <laughs> Some young buck, they don't think, I'm never going to be in that position. Right? Eventually, nobody's there until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? The King James Version says, where are thine accusers? Has no one condemned you? And a weak voice broken No one, sir, she said. And then this is the statement that rips open the heart. Then neither do I condemn you. But that's not where it stops. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave. Leave your life of sin. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to live in fear of being captured and caught in your uh, vices and your harmful. You don't have to live that way. You hear it said at this church all the time, God will take you in any form you can come. But he's made a promise not to leave you there. If you know Christ, you can't be the same because he changes you. He changes your heart. He changes the way you think, and he makes you into someone different. This is the example of both the one judging and the one being judged. There is always an option for forgiveness and redemption. From the one that's judging, you need to have a heart of compassion. There's always an option for forgiveness. There is always an option for redemption. And there is always an option for change in the way that you live. Jesus will take you the way you are, but he promises that he'll not leave you that way.